Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we cry out to you as Abba, Father, this morning, but we have to make a distinction, Lord, is that we're not all your children, Lord, until we accept you as Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord, today that each person that walks through these doors this afternoon, when your message is complete, Lord, will say, Abba, Father. We'll walk out of these doors and say, praise be to my Father. So we pray, Lord, that your message would go out and there would be power in it, Lord, that there would be clarity in it, that lives would be touched and hearts changed if needed, Lord. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. It's, um, it's a blessing hearing John Yvette. That's a beautiful song. And it reminded me as I'm listening to that song when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said to them, you're not of my father. Your father is Satan. And it's amazing how in the world people look at God and they say to him, He's a God of all of us. We're all his children. I remember saying that to a, a person years ago before I got saved. I said, we're all God's children. And she looked at me and says, no, you're not. You're a child of the devil. And I couldn't understand that, but that was an absolute fact that day. I was not saved. And we're not all the children of God if we haven't accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning. And we need to be clear about that. And we need to understand that. And that really kind of 
It, the message is a little, actually a lot in that direction because I want to talk about heaven this morning. And, you know, we all have gotten directions before to somebody's house. And you know how it feels to be lost. I've felt lost before. I've been lost. And I don't have a navigation system in my car, so I can't program the information in there and then just wait. And some can, but I do have MapQuest. And I punch in MapQuest, and I say to MapQuest, I am here right now, and I want to get here. It's very important to understand that, because in order to really get to a destination, you have to have a starting point. You have to know where you are. Because if you want to get somewhere, how will you get there if you don't know where you are? You might even already be there. <laughs> Isn't that strange? And then what MapQuest does, and that's what it's supposed to do, is give you a direction. It gives you some instructions on how to go. And you know, when we think about directions and we think about that, I want you to understand something that's very important, is that there is a, a widespread myth in, in religious teaching in our day, and it says that there's many roads to God. You go out there and you talk to 100 people and ask them, how do I get to heaven? And you'll find there might be 80 different ways and possibly even 100 out of those 100 people. And I want you to understand there's a difference between finding the right house and finding the way to heaven. There's one way to get to heaven. One. I was watching over the weekend with the youth group on Friday, Underdog. And Underdog was told, and I don't know the situation, I forget all the stuff in it because it's for the kids, but I remember Underdog was told to go somewhere to save somebody or do something miraculous because he had great strength and power. And you know what Underdog did? Instead of going from point A to point B and taking the shortest distance, he was powerful. He went all the way around the globe. He went the opposite way and circled the globe and came back. And I thought, wow, that was interesting. He took the long route. But that's not the way it is with Christianity, with salvation. There's not like I can go this route if I want to. Long, short, doesn't matter. There's one route. There's one way to heaven. And we need to understand that. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to me. No one comes to the Father but by me. He says, I am the way, the truth. I am. He didn't say I might be. Sometimes I am. Once in a while I am. On Thursday I am. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to heaven unless you come through me. We need to understand that this morning. It's very important because that Abba Father is wonderful to be able to say those words, Abba Father. But we can't say that. We cannot say that unless he is our Father. But he wants us to say that. Like John Abed sang in the song, he looked down and it was love. He loved us so much. He loved us so much. He wants us to say those words. So we're going to go to the passage now in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 19. And we are going to look at a man who came to Jesus for directions. 
He was a very smart man, wasn't he? Because he came to Jesus for directions to heaven. And the first verse says, verse 16 of chapter 19 says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? In other words, he was saying, How do I get to heaven from where I am right now? And one of the other versions, I think it's Mark, says that a man ran up to him and knelt before him. He ran up before him and knelt down because he said something touched him about Jesus. And everything seemed really well. All seemed good. That's a good man to come to. And he seemed like he was in a good position. At least Mark says that. He ran up. There was enthusiasm in his step. And he had a realization that maybe there was some holiness in this man because he fell down on his knees. But then everything seems to go south from there. Because he said to him, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Hmm, why do you call me good? In the King James Version, of this passage in, in Matthew, it's interesting, it's the only one that says good teacher. But the other versions mention good teacher. He must have recognized he was good. But Jesus said to him, that's not enough to recognize that I'm good. I need you to recognize that I'm God. And that's why he said to him, why do you call me good? Think about this morning, this morning. Do we call him good? Who is Jesus? If you ask the world who Jesus was, there would be people who said he was a good man. He did good works. He was a fine gentleman. Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? Do you recognize who good, who really is good? Because God is the only one that's good. Do we recognize Jesus? And that's our first stop and our first turn because we're going to take a little trip today. And our first turn, because we've gotten, we're getting directions right now. Just like on MapQuest, MapQuest says go out from your driveway, make a right, go down, make a left, go down two blocks, make another right. Directions. So these are the directions. Jesus' first direction to him, it says, why do you call me good? There is one that is good. First direction is, do you recognize that I am Jesus? I am God. You say that I'm good, but do you understand that I am God? Not just good, but I am God. I am the Savior. Stop number one. Look at how important that is. If we don't get that, we're in trouble. Because we need to understand that in order to get to heaven, we have to come to the only one that is good, and that's God himself. And if you think about that, you have to think, well, people say, 
you have to be good in order to get to heaven. You ever heard that? Isn't that interesting? You talk to people about really what it takes to get to heaven. And there's a lot of people who say, it's by my good deeds. That's why Jesus said to him, he wanted to stir up in this man's heart, you are not good. There's only one that's good. There's only one who's lived the the perfect life. You've all failed, and you failed. You're not good. You're bad. You're guilty. You're a guilty sinner. But you think about it. Now, what do we mean when we say that? How can we say that there's a certain number of good deeds that's going to get you to heaven? What is that number? Is it just like on a scale? Because let's say you're 15 and you've made like a thousand decisions and 500 were good and 500 were bad and you basically are at now like the even point. Do you get to go if you died? What happens? Who tips the scale then? Oh, let's change it for Don today. Don died and he's 50-50. So let's just kind of say, well, he was going to choose this, so we'll tip the scale. Well, why not tip it the other way? And what if it's 499 to 501? Isn't that close? It's like I die and I did 501 wrong things and 499 good things. And I just missed it. What kind of God would do that to us? You were close. I'm sorry. You know, Jim, you were, you know, or Jeff, you were close. But you missed it by two points. Go to hell. Is that the kind of God we have? I'm telling you, that is not the God of the Bible. And Jesus was trying to help him to understand and, he's, and it says in Psalm 14, 3, I think it is, it's all have turned aside, they all together have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And Jesus was telling him that day, I am good, but you are not. Do you recognize this turn in the road? You came to me with the question, I want to get to heaven. I'm mapping out now the direction of getting to heaven. And the first thing, the first stop, is you're not good. God is the only one that's good. Do you get that? Do we get that this morning? Do we get that we're evil? Do we get that everyone is turned away? We've all become corrupt. That's what the Bible says. There is no one who does good, not even one. Jesus said to them, first direction, you have to recognize that I am good and you are not. Everybody in this room, do we recognize that, that we are not good? It's critical. It's critical to get to where we want to go. One destination, heaven, right? One way. And this way, this is the only way. And this point is very, very critical. It's unbelievably critical that we have to see that we are not good. But there is one who is good, and that's Jesus. And this man didn't get it. He missed the first turn. And Turan has this kind of interesting 
little mobile navigation system. And you always know when you're going in the wrong direction because all of a sudden you hear recalculating. It's a woman's voice that comes over and says, recalculating? You're waiting for make a left at, uh, you know, Bonsai Street. And she says, no, recalculating, which means you made a wrong turn. That's what it tells me. Every time I hear that, I said, stupid, you made a wrong turn. <laughs> you made a wrong turn. He made a wrong turn. And it was sad. Because Jesus asked him, we read it. He says, why do you call me good? If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Why did he say keep the commandments? Because this wise young man said, I'm good enough. He said, well, let me take you a little further down. Let's recalculate a little bit. Let me help you to see something. What you mean when you say that you're good enough, what you're saying is you've kept the commandments. And Jesus didn't give him all the commandments. He only gave him five. He said to him, so, okay, you're good enough. Have you kept the commandments? You want to enter life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, he said to him, which ones? What commandments? He said, I, I got it. Which ones are you talking about, Jesus, good man? And Jesus said to him, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you, know, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Great. He was asked if he kept all the commandments or did he recognize that he was a sinner at that point? Because it's like, wait a minute, that moment, he had an opportunity to take the right turn and say, wait a minute. I looked at mom and dad that day. They told me I couldn't go to the bazaar or to the fruit stand. And I had murder in my eyes. I said, how dare you tell me? But I just thought that. Or my brother, you know, he wanted to play with that game. And I said, no, he's not going to play with us. I don't like how he treated me yesterday. You think he could have, uh, you know, he could have kind of thought about those things, thought about little instances where he's denied and didn't keep the commandments? He had an opportunity. But let's see what he says. says in verse 20, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? What? He said, all these things I've kept since I was a little boy. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't murdered. I haven't done anything wrong. False witness. I've done nothing wrong. And what was Jesus trying to do with these commandments? Very important. The commandments are very important. They played an integral part in God's plan for our lives. They helped us as his creation to discover our true condition. 
They helped us to see where we were. Because we need to know where we are if we're going to get to where we want to get to. So Jesus asked him that. Spurgeon says something interesting about that. He says the first use of the law was to manifest to a man his guilt. When God intends to save a man, the first thing he does with him is to send the law to him to show him how guilty, how vile, how ruined he is, and how dangerous a position he's in. He sends the law for us. It was a love decree, the Ten Commandments. It was to show us we were incapable. We couldn't do it. We were sinners. We were lost. The law acts with man as a physician does when he takes the film from the eye of the blind. We were blind, and then God gave us the law. Why? To remove the scales so that we could see ourselves. So he told this man, okay, you think you're good. I got that. I understand. Have you kept the commandments? Because this proves you're good. Have you kept all the commandments? You cannot veer one little iota from the commandments. Even Jesus says that, he says, I tell you the truth. Do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Just the thought is sin. And this man thought he was good. He thought he kept the commandments. He was in a sad place. And there's many people in that place of thinking they're good enough to get to heaven. Just good enough. I'm good enough to get to heaven. I've done good. Well, how do you measure good, honestly? Who can measure what's good enough? Who sets the scale, the standard? There has to be a standard set. And everybody's got to be compared against the standard. If the standard says you have to do 599 good deeds and you do 598, you lose. Who sets it? Do we set it? Do we get to determine what's good and what's not good and who's good enough? Are we good enough today to go to heaven? Does anybody in this room think that they're good enough to go to heaven? He wanted to point out to that man, you're not good enough, but it's okay. He says, you're not good enough, but it's okay. Self-righteous men are blind men, though they think themselves good and excellent. The law takes that film away and lets them discover how vile they are and how utterly ruined and condemned if they are able or if they are to abide under the sentence of the law. We don't want to really abide under the sentence of the law because we would be all damned to hell because we've all not kept the commandments. So last turn. That was his last turn. 
That was his last term. Because Jesus looks at him, and I love the version, it's uh, Mark's version. In Matthew it says, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But Mark's version puts it really clearly. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He said, I've been trying to give you directions. I've been trying to tell you how to get to heaven. And I've taken you through the whole sequence of turns. And I've had to keep recalculating. I had to keep changing. Because you're not seeing he says, the problem is, is that there's different values that you have. There's something that's more important than me, and you're not willing to give that up. You know, there's a story written in Luke where it says that two men went up to the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, sinners, people who are not good, people who do wrong things, and I don't do any wrong things. Or even like this tax collector, my little buddy here, standing here. He said, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but the tax collector stood at a distance and kind of looked and like marveled. And he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, I am a sinner. I recognize I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He missed that last turn, because he said, and we read it, verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What happened that day? What was the problem that day? Billy Graham says about this story, says that, you know, he came to the right person. He asked the right question. He was given the right answer. But he made the wrong decision. He came to the right person, Jesus. And he asked the right question. How do I get to heaven? And he was given the right set of instructions. First of all, realize that I am the only one that's good. God is good, and you're not. He was told that. And he was told that he had an inability to keep the commandments. You're evil. You're a sinner. You're lost. You can't do it on your own. I remember... 
Joseph was talking to Pharaoh. Pharaoh came to Joseph and says, you can interpret this dream. I heard from the baker. You can interpret the dream. And Joseph's taken out of prison, and Joseph's standing there before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, Joseph is like, now you're the man in Pharaoh's eyes, standing on a pedestal. And he asks, can you do it? And Joseph looks at Pharaoh and says, I can't do it. I can't do it. But God can. He recognized that he could not do it. Do we recognize today that we can't do it? We can't earn it. We can't get it. We can't do it. There's nothing we can do to earn the kingdom of heaven. This man was told to sell all that he had and had nothing to do with the wealth that he had that God wanted him to give up. Because we know the story of Zacchaeus, and it says that, you know, Zacchaeus, we know what happened to him. And Zacchaeus came to the Lord. And the Lord, he went to, he went to Zacchaeus' house. And then all of a sudden, Zacchaeus says, anybody I've wronged, I'll give this. He just gave all his money away. Jesus didn't ask him to give anything away because he knew Jesus, Jesus knew his heart. He says, I know what's in their hearts. And he knew that this man would rather worship the God of materialism, the God of possessions, the God of alcohol and pleasure. And that's what people prefer over Jesus. And I love what um, Adrian Rogers said. He, he says, an idol is something you serve more trust more, want more, love more than God Almighty. This man loved his money more than anything else. That's why God said, when Jesus talked to him, he says, you give this up, sell it, give to the poor, because you said you've kept the commandments of loving your neighbor, and your neighbors are starving. You said you loved your neighbor, and you've kept that commandment. Well, you're, you're lying, because they're starving to death. If you love them, give them something of your wealth. And he said, no. No, thank you. But understand, there is a cost for saying no. He didn't go away happy. Because he ran up and he was on his knees before the Savior and he knew he lacked something. He knew that he was missing on something. He knew his life was void of something. He knew he didn't have the hope. He didn't have the life. He didn't have the joy. He didn't have the peace. He knew there was a void. There was a big chasm in his heart. But he thought, I can go up maybe and just kind of get that chasm filled the way I want to have it filled. And Jesus told him that day, no, there is one way to heaven. And that way is to recognize me as Savior, recognize that you're a sinner, and then repent and get on your knees before me and say, I give up this old life. I don't want this old life anymore. And that was the last point. That was the last turn. That was the last direction that he was given. Give up your old life and you can come to me. Give up the life of sin. Are you willing to say no I don't want this life anymore, then you can come and follow me. And if we go further in that passage, it says that all who give up houses, friends, family, 
He says, I will give a hundredfold to. Understand, he didn't say give up and get nothing. He didn't say give up and become a loser. He didn't say give up and live a life of poverty. He didn't say give up and all of a sudden your life is just going to be just filled with just difficulty and tribulation. He said, no, give up and I give you the promise that I will give you heaven and you will be with me forever. Directions to heaven. He asked the right question, didn't he? He came to the right person to ask that question. Wasn't that brilliant? He did. He came to Jesus. And he didn't get thrown off. He asked the right question to Jesus. He said, you know, you're a good man. Can you tell me how I can get to heaven? And then Jesus mapped it out for him. He said, do you, do you see that I'm God? Do you see? There's a Savior. I, I, I can get you to heaven. You have to recognize me first as God, Savior, Lord. And do you recognize who you are? And are you willing to give up this life of sin? Now, there are some good people in here. There always are. Who've been doing it on their own. And I can say that, you know, you probably have because if you look at your life, you can see that walking through the doors and maybe even coming to church saying that's a good deed. Because it is. It's a good thing coming to church. But church will not get you to heaven. You come to church, it, 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 there's, there's no, that's not on this, these directional maps. I didn't see that in the directions. Go to church. People go to church. They give also. But do you know that some people think that that's their good works, that that's how they're getting to heaven? By doing these good things, we will get to heaven. By following this script, I will get to heaven. And then God looks down with love and says to each one, one thing you lack. Do you recognize that you lack something? Now, I was reading one of the um, tracks, and we've read the tracks before many times. And it talks about a person who, you know, comes home and mom's not there, dad's not there, car's gone. Then he turns on the news and he sees there's accidents on the freeway. He's wondering, what's going on? And he talks to, he calls his girlfriend. His girlfriend said, well, my parents are missing too, or one of them was. It actually was the wife that was missing. The husband was laughing kind of there. He was she was talking to her dad, and he's like, what's going on? And he's like, well, I don't know. I've heard, mom used to tell us about this Jesus guy, that he was coming. And the boyfriend said, well, you know, my mother and father used to tell me about Jesus also. I should have listened to them. Now he's looking up the scripture references and wondering, wait a minute, what happened? Well, that's going to happen. It's going to be a day when it actually happens. He will return. And those who have said no won't get to go. Isn't that sad? It's very, very sad, especially when he says, I'm not going to let you rely 
on your good deeds because your good deeds aren't enough. All I'm asking from you is faith. A step of faith. That's much easier than good works, to be honest. Going through the motion of just doing things and, and wondering if at the end of the day, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, did it measure out where I all of a sudden gained heaven because of my good works? Good works don't get us to heaven. It's following God's plan of salvation that gets us to heaven. And again, I mentioned he looks out with love and says, do you want to take this road to heaven? He said, it's an easy road. All you have to do is recognize me as Savior, recognize that you're a sinner, and be willing to turn away from your sin and follow me. Boy, is that, doesn't that seem really easy? Why do we say no? Why do we want to do it on our own? We can't. It's impossible. There's one way, one route, one man, and that's the man Jesus. Now let's close our eyes because I'm not the best at navigation personally. I've tried to give directions based on the word of God. And please forgive me if they're not as accurate as they could be. Please forgive me. But while everyone close your eyes, I want you to think about it and look in your heart and say, Lord, were you talking to me? Were you giving me directions? Were you telling me that I can't do it on my own, and I'm not where you want me to be. Do you really want to get to heaven? Are you sure you're going to heaven? It's not a little thing. It's a big thing. And look at how wonderful God is. He looks out in love and says, this is the message, the same message that's been preached for 2,000 plus years. Do you realize he is God? This morning, do you realize that you are not good this morning? Good enough to get to heaven? Do you realize? Do you want to change? Do you want to have a new life? And if you answered yes to those questions, then all you have to do, and eyes are already closed, is put your hand up. 